Mountainside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. All right, back here, Cofield and Company. I, I know it's uh, we're in a tough spot here. It's it's time for Big Five at Four. Hey, real quick, y- y'all better get down here because it's starting to fill up, getting packed. Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football, Colts, Ravens, and this is the spot to be on Monday Night Football. It sure is. Thank you, thank you for that, Willie. I figure I just throw that up. Um, I don't know how to handle this right now. Uh, we are about to start Big Five and Four. We always do this every every day. Yeah. Demora Smith just put out a statement. <laughs> Did he really? So should we? I haven't read it yet. Literally, it's two minutes ago. Um, should we? Re- we'll just read this on the air. You know what? How about we do this? Let's make this number five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four. Number five. All right. As I said, I have not read this yet. Um, so I'm going to do it on the air. I guess yeah. we'll get live reaction and see how it goes. Uh, from Demora Smith, NFLPA chief, the email from John Gruden and some of the reaction to it confirms that the fight against racism, racist tropes, and intolerance is not over. This is not about an email as much as it is about a pervasive belief by some that people who look like me can be treated as less. The email has also revealed why the comments by some with powerful platforms to explain this away are insidious and hypocritical. It is as if there is need to protect football above the values of equality, inclusion, and respect. The powerful in our business have to embrace that football itself has to be better as opposed to making excuses to maintain the status quo. I appreciate that he reached out to me and told him that we will connect soon. But make no mistake, the news is not about what is said in our private conversation but what else is said by people who never thought they would be exposed and how they are going to be held to account. That's a, that final comment right there is very, very strong. Um, but what else is said by people who never thought they would be exposed and how they are going to be held to account? Adam, we are looking at what could possibly be a long list of names with devastating blows. I mean, this obviously they're going to have their, their, their conversation um, and in eloquent fashion. I think I told you Saturday night that I was reached out to by a lawyer in Washington, D.C., uh, former military lawyer and now with a firm out there and that many of the lawyers out there a contingent of black lawyers they this is their mentor this is who is well, very well respected um so yeah this this is going to run pretty deep it's it, it's more or less what again we go back to what everybody's been saying is why this is the only email that was singled out um, but it sounds like there's a lot more coming. Yeah, potentially. And, and I think what, what Demore Smith is saying, and again, we just read it for the first time. So this is instant reaction, I guess. Um, what he's saying to me is the email is the email. And John Gruden said what he said, and you can 
defend him if you choose to. You can, you know, make excuses or say, hey, he says rubber lips, and that's, uh, which is still the silliest. He, he doesn't say rubber lips in the email. So stop with this obsession of whether he said rubber lips in the past or not. That has nothing to do with what the email is. That's not what he said. Um, and nobody stretches rubber lips to Michelin tire lips. It doesn't. It, it makes zero sense. Uh, so stop focusing on that part of it. But you can come up with all these instances for this one case, and I think that's what that that's one of the issues in a lot of cases like this, as Demar Smith is saying. Like, hey, you can you can explain and excuse and come up with anything for hey, John Gruden's been great in. If that's the case, you know, Tim Brown in your life, if he's been great to you and, you know, you, you've never seen any racism from it, that means something, and you can take a lot from that. And you can find any way to excuse this particular statement. But there are people out there that will look to excuse any statement. And I think that's what Demora Smith is saying here of, hey, talk about this, I guess, if you want to. You can talk about this one issue and, and you know, go over and over nobody's going to change their mind some people think john gruden needs to be fired some people think he should be suspended some people think nothing should happen some people think you know we should just move on and never talk about these things like all of those opinions are what they are but what demora smith is saying is you can treat this as one isolated thing it's not it's a pattern of things and some people are just going to look at anything that happens as oh stop complaining stop whining we've moved on right and they're going to dismiss all that And, and what he's saying is yeah, let's look at all these as a whole, not as this one individual incident. And uh, I think that's a very, very fair statement to make. And it makes it much more difficult for those that want to pretend like there's not an issue when you do look at it as a whole and say there's thousands of incidents. So you can't just nitpick this one and pick apart why this isn't a problem when there's a whole lot of other problems out there. And I, I think that's what he's getting at. But uh, the statement, again, from Demora Smith issued on Twitter, if you want to go see it, um, Pretty interesting stuff from him and uh, and him talking about the reaction more than just the actual statement from John Gruden. Number four. All right, I guess we'll make number five, number four now. In our, like, cause even though it doesn't sound like it, we do organize some to some degree. Uh, Ari. Well, it shores up the vacancy from number two, so now, sure. we're, now we're full. Ari, you have a story. Do you want to set this up, or should I just set it up from what you wrote to us? In the interest of our listeners, I'm going to have you set it up because <laughs> okay. we all know. So Ari wrote this, and as you all know from listening, Ari, very eloquent. Oh, yeah. Um, very, very good at explaining things. That's his strong suit. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. I had to laugh at myself. This morning, around 7.30, one of my idiot neighbors, and again, this is Ari, not me. One of my idiot neighbors parked his truck right in front of my house because I, I know I have neighbors that listen to the show. I don't want them to think I'm talking about them. Uh one of my idiot neighbors parked his truck right in front of my house, blasting super loud music. I guess he felt, or, or excuse me, I guess he left something in the house and decided it was okay to just leave his truck there with the music on. After a few minutes, uh, he says in parentheses, at least three minutes of blasting music, I knew what I had to do. Keep in mind, I technically, or excuse me, keep in mind, technically he was on my property. I went down, opened his driver door, turned the music down and walked back up to my room another few minutes later he got back in and pulled off oblivious to what had happened uh you say since adam is the guy who avoids confrontation and willie is the guy you probably don't want to try do you guys think i'm crazy and could have gotten my butt kicked 
Or did I totally do the right thing and my neighbor is a total, can I say that? A douche. total jerk. Okay. okay. Well, that's that. Uh, a total douche here. Willie, I'll let you go ahead. Is this, Ari, you said parked in front of your house and then you said went back up to your room. So I'm assuming, is this a two-story house you live in? Yeah, it's a townhome, but yes. And and it's in my garage right in front of it. It's the three cars, like the three garages next to each other. So, so it's, is it one of those communities where they're 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 all connected, or is it a house yes, house, yes. like a neighborhood, or is it one of those where you you your garages are connected? That and it's, that it's that yes. So he's so he's blocking his my garage and his. Right. Okay. All right. Because first of all, when you said well, then first of all. It's nobody's property because it's just sitting there. He just happens to be in front of your that road, that little. My driveway. It's like three feet long, but still, that is. <laughs> but okay, but that's not the point. This is just about tact, right? Uh, I mean, three minutes of blasting music. I guess you 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 did it because you weren't sure if it was going to last longer than three minutes. I, I I definitely think that you ran the risk of. You know, catching a backhand if he walks out and he's, you know, has a temper and you're in his. Because now you're right. in his property. Yep. <laughs> so um, I don't think that you were out of line in, in being frustrated. I mean, maybe he would have went down and be like, yo, dude, next time you forget something, you know, I, it's it's 730 in the morning. I work this these hours. Come on now. You right. know, wait, I work what hours? I don't know what hours where Ari works. <laughs> I, I'm I mean, definitely for not me. A- for me, seven thirty more. That's lunchtime. Correct. So. Not for me. No, I was cranky. I didn't. I, to be honest, I didn't even really think much as I did this. Clearly, how it was big just is this instinct. guy? I have no idea. I didn't see him. He's. It's a big. It's I like would, a, all I'm saying, Ari, is just I would just be careful yourself, because right? you. Yeah, well, because I'm just <laughs> saying you're a little guy, man. Someone might fold you up, and put him in his back pocket. Exactly. I mean, I, the door was just open, or did you open it? No, <laughs> I went down. And I was like, no one's here, anyone here? Like, I looked around to see if I could confront someone, like like a reasonable person. But, you know, I was exhausted, too, and, like, cranky, you know, grumpy morning person. And uh, this is why I don't – this is why I'm more like Adam usually is I am non-confrontational because I don't really have, like, a, a middle ground on stuff like this. Like, in other words, that's why I wrote this because I know this is crazy. Like, that could have been a Willie-sized guy who could have came out and uh, would have been – I'm a little guy, man. You are not a little guy, sir. Just uh, a little guy. Yeah, you're a nice person. You're a good person, but yeah, I, it, it could have been bad. So I just wanted to see if if I was crazy or or what you each of would have each of you would have done as individuals in this circumstance. Uh, as you know, and, and you reference it, I would have not even, I would I would have just stayed in my room. Like there's no way I would have gone and done anything. Like there's no chance of that. Well, Adam um, would have been it. He would have been at, at his coffee place in his table. And let's not That's hold true. on. There was a story that was told last week about, you know, don't sit in the table. And if somebody's at your seat in the coffee house that you go to, didn't you tell a story about, you know, wait, what are you doing? You don't sit Hold on. You're accusing a, me of being a jerk here. I'm not a jerk. That was a great uh, story, by the way. Sure. My issue was not my issue was not like another customer sat in, sat in a seat. Like that, of course, that's totally fine. What I'm saying is there is a table there that is very, very well known as the best table in the in the spot. Okay. Everybody knows it's the best table. And I sit there whenever I'm there for sure. Yep. And they reference it as the best table and like, oh, you never really know the best. Hey, your table's open. Like when I walk in, hey, your table's open. Yeah. What I'm saying is an employee of that place, as I was getting 
my my order he and had you. not sat down. No, he sat down in the table himself to take a break. While yourself was there. No, I oh. got. But I'm saying he knows it's the best table. He knows it's my table. First of all, take a break in the back. You don't need to be out in the front. <laughs> but you go and sit at my table. The, the table that you know is my table. And you never you, confronted that him. you know is the best table in the whole place. You're gonna sit there and take your break there. What are you doing? And you didn't even confront him. Of course not. He's an he's a nice enough guy. But what I the other time this is a separate incident that I was sitting in my table, and he decided to come over and describe this awful like yeah. botched medical procedure that yeah. he was going through. And I was like, bro, I mean, of course I said, hey, that really sucks, and I was sympathetic. But in my mind, I was thinking, I could not care less about this. And, and, and then the, 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 the end of the conversation when you told the story last week was, I can't go back there, right? Sorry. Yeah, I don't think I, I haven't been back. I haven't been back, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, well, first of all, now I've said it on the air, and I'm sure people have. <laughs> Kid's probably looking for his therapist. And you uh, hold on. Back. I left that part out. Not a kid. He's an older gentleman. Jesus. He's looking for his buddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say what I was, was going to say. He has another medical procedure coming up soon. Ari, Hopefully it goes you, Ari, well. Ari, I would get to know your neighbor and then, and, I then, and then bring it up. would not have gone down there. If I did, because I, you're right that I will not be confrontational at all. I will be so passive-aggressive, though. I would not go down and change the channel. Or, excuse me, I would not go down and turn down the volume. I would have gone and moved the car. Ooh. Oh, you know, I thought of that after the fact, and I was like, or, or what if I took his keys, like just turned the key car off? <laughs> so, all right. I would have just moved it. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I know it's like one out of a hundred times I would actually like do anything, but if I did, it would be something real. You, you know, before we'll move on to number three, I, uh, I would like to see what Steve will say next week because, uh, <laughs> I be think, yeah, I, I think he might be on my side on this one. Number three. Baseball playoffs, Willie. It is. I'm enjoying it. There have um, been some intriguing little occurrences. Some bizarre occurrences. Uh, sure. There was the weird ruling on the ground rule double. Um, there's been rainouts and all sorts of other things. Uh, today we had another weather delay. Um, game that got canceled. There were supposed to be four games today. There's not, of course. Uh, the... Uh, Astros and White Sox postponed. We had a 3 nothing win by the Braves over the Brewers. Rays, Red Sox going on right now. And, of course, Giants, Dodgers. <sighs> I thought the Giants were going to get the 2 nothing lead. They didn't. They got blown out in game two. They need to win. They need to win tonight. This is a must win, of course, in a best of five. To go down 2-1 after game three would be brutal. They need to win. They need two chances to close it out. Uh, but Dodgers a big favorite, minus $2.00. In this spot, Alex Wood and Max Scherzer. <sighs> Tough assignment for the Giants. Are you a Tigers fan? We've, we've talked about this. I am a Tigers fan. I grew up as a Giants fan, um, weirdly enough, because we used to, I've, you know, we've talked about how uh, my family in California was much wealthier than us. So during the summers, they would, you know, send us out to live with them for a little bit. Uh, in the Bay Area to, you know, I, I guess experience what people that have money live like. Because that, was, that wasn't us. Um, and my uncle, who's uh, he's awesome, and he had uh, season tickets with the Giants. So we used to go and, and sit in great seats. And I love Will Clark. It was my team. But when, when teams win, I stopped cheering for them. 
So once they won a World Series, I stopped cheering for the Giants. But I do dislike the Dodgers. So I'm hoping, and uh, hopefully Paul Gutierrez, our friend that's coming on in a minute here, didn't hear that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, kind of, I'm definitely cheering for the Giants, of course. I'm a Dodgers fan. I've been Dodgers fans for a long time. Yeah. Longer That's than good. maybe longer than you're alive. I don't know. Uh, it is Big Five. We're only going to do three. We're going to step away for a second here because number two and number one, uh, we want to get our good friend Paul Gutierrez in to speak about those two very very important issues uh, surrounding the Raiders right now. Maybe one more important than the other. We'll get into that and more. We're down here, Twin Peaks in Henderson. Come on down. Monday Night Football: Ravens and Colts starting. In just a little bit, just under an hour now, and it's your spot for Monday Night Football in Las Vegas with ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Big Five at Four, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Uh, no, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it's kind of just how the guys came out. I mean, the last couple of weeks, we've been coming out flat, starting off early in the game, and it was kind of a point of emphasis to try to get it going early, and um, we didn't do that today, so. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, live on this Monday, getting you ready for Monday Night Football coming up in just under an hour. Colts and Ravens, this is your spot to check it out happy hour underway come on down enjoy that it is fantastic the food and drinks and the scenery here at twin peaks awesome patio as well get out there watch all the games especially with the weather right it's, it's perfect, perfect weather it's football it's, weather it's gorgeous uh we are back in the big five we don't have to do the countdown or numbers or anything like that we're joined by our good friend paul Gutierrez from espn my microphone is all over the place we're fine uh, Paul, how you doing, sir? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. A uh, lot, of, lot to talk about. Uh, the Raiders. A bit. Nothing really to talk about on the field. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, John Gruden's situation changes every minute. It seems like we just had a statement from Demora Smith that we read. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute with you. But there's a subject that I don't really like talking about. But Willie mentioned it. He wanted to talk about it. So we're going to jump into that first of all. Are you? Did you have a problem with free food at Allegiant Stadium yesterday? The free uh, a problem with free food? Willie. Um. Well, Willie. Willie likes to make sure that there's a theme, right? Okay. So they're playing Chicago. So Willie's looking for some deep dish pizza. He's looking for some Blues Brothers inspired uh, cuisine, and and maybe it really didn't meet his standards. I I don't know. What was your problem, Willie? The breakfast. <laughs> Now, now I will say this: the uh, the French uh, the French toast bake is what they called it. I saw that. That was like a bread pudding, but it was French toast and it was caramelized. That was actually really good. The eggs were odd yesterday. They were a little, they were runny. They weren't. The, they didn't have that nice scrambled egg texture. They had the tofu scramble and then the other scramble. I don't have a problem with free food. I just compared to the first couple of weeks and realistically. Most of last year, uh, it was just a, it was a little off. It, it it you know the grade went down, the rating may have went down. I will tell you that I was not necessarily in agreement with how they presented Chicago dogs because wow. there's there's always a hot dog bar, right? And then um, they dress it up. You know, against the Ravens, they had the uh, the crab uh, mac cheese. I don't remember what they did for Miami, but um, Miami was like a Cuban kind yeah, of a a dish. Cuban, Cuban yeah. hot dog. 
Cuban hot dog. Okay, so <laughs> with they, they did, first of all they said they had the sign up. It said you know sport peppers and and the relish and the this and that. First of all, they weren't sport peppers. They dressed up jalapeno peppers and then they had pepperoncinis. Sport peppers. It's a specific way that it's made, and it's, it's you know you put it on your hot dog, and jardinier sauce. There was no jardinier sauce to make a true. What are Chicago, you talking about, Chicago dog? All I'm look, I, like, is there something to sustain us through the day? That's all I care about. I don't even notice these things. Where is this? What sauce is this? Where do you even find this? That's a, that's in Chicago. I got it. I got or it. Or Chicago got it. dog place. I got a suggestion for Willie, and it's product placement as well. Okay. Next time, Willie, bring some perfect seasonings, oh, and you're no. good to go. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> now, the uh, the um, the halftime meal was good. Did you have the halftime meal? No. Oh. No. I was I was writing. I I will tell. <laughs> this is what I do in the yeah. press box. No, in the morning, yeah. There, like the breakfast, there was there was bacon and sausage. And I'll tell you what you do like in the morning. You hold court. Sure. You you sit yeah. there at the well, head of the four table. Four hours early. People come through and different kiss people sit ring. down. Yes, kiss the ring. That's what it's about. <laughs> but I mean, you get whatever food you can, and then you, I just grab two hot dogs with no butter, just eat them. He did for that. half time. That's how it. I roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like just get through the day. That's all I'm thinking about. I don't. I'm not thinking about a gourmet spread here. But I'll tell you this, Adam, as, 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 as Willie is presenting himself as some chef, you know, like Jack Tripper with, uh, with <laughs> Jack his restaurant. Jack Tripper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he wanted his own restaurant. I felt like I was at the, the Regal Beagle yesterday. This is the same dude that jacked me from my red vines at the end of the day. So mm. there you go. That makes sense. That sounds like <laughs> a Willie move. Uh, I mean, this is. I'd rather just talk about this, I guess, for the next half hour. But. I feel like there's serious things going on with the Raiders. Like this is, it's been a very weird. I said 48, 72 hours now. Yeah. Um, what are, What are your thoughts now that we're kind of three days removed from the initial shock of that email story? Yeah. Well, it, it's just tough. There's no doubt that the emails, the email that we know about anyway, that we know the exact wording was offensive. There's no doubt. And I'm not going to be one person to. I'm not going to be a person to tell somebody how they should or shouldn't react to a certain thing. I mean, it hits everybody differently, right? As a man of color, I understand how certain stereotypes, uh, slurs, tropes hit you. Um, at the same point, it's as a journalist, you're covering it, and you want to get as many opinions as possible and opinions that, that matter, so to speak. And I, I want to know what a lot of the black players on the roster think about it, particularly uh, the black players that have been on this roster a long time. That's not to discount. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe saying no comment. I mean, that, that was pretty telling in and of itself. But to me, Josh Jacobs' comment carried a little more weight because he's been around the man. He's been on this roster for three years. And what he said basically hit every every spot you could where where it was, look, in, in three years around him, I've never felt a certain way around him. He's never made me feel a certain way about him. Uh, but then again, he wrote what he wrote. But it was 10 years ago and people can grow. So you're just kind of sitting here and waiting for this slow drip drip of other things to come out. And if they come out, is that what, what seals his fate? How do you then open that Pandora's box for something that happened 10 years ago, but yet you can't condone it either? It's just kind of a mess right now. You're just trying to figure out what's going on. And with Adam Schefter's latest report, which we all assumed anyways, was that the league was monitoring this. And you would think that the league would want the team to take care of it on its own. Uh, because it's it's just really tough, and I know I'm kind of rambling in, oh. in circles here with this, but that's kind of where the mindset is covering a story like this, and now we know what political reporters, I guess, were going through in 2016 with Hillary's emails. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll, first of all, I think it would be a 
they're in a really bad spot where if they don't take action right now and they let it go and then more comes out right. and there's, as Gruden said, hey, one of the emails, I say something really bad about Goodell. Well, all of a sudden, if you say something really bad about Goodell and he gets suspended, all of a sudden, like, wait a minute. Yeah. The racist stuff wasn't enough? Right. He had to right. say something about Goodell to get suspended? Like, that's, it is a tough spot. It's a really tough spot, I think, for the league and for the team. And the league has to deal with the CBA and if there's actually language that they can actually do anything about him uh, or if that would get fought in court. There's so many different layers to how it's going to play out. But to your point about wanting to know what black players feel, first of all, us not being in the locker room is a huge hamper to huge. that. Not that they would say anything necessarily, but a you can much get a better sense. chance. You get a sense of sure. it. And when I covered this team in 2017 in Oakland – um, you know, I tweeted this yesterday, and, and I meant it on a couple different levels, but it's like I've seen this movie before. I saw when this team imploded back in 2017 after whatever happened in Washington. And from a simple point of view – By the way, it's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. Uh, <laughs> it, the team basically got punched in the mouth and didn't know how to respond. Plus there was other things going on behind the scenes. And it feels similar to that now because I'm not going to say he's lost the locker room. I don't know but because we can't go in the locker room. But when you went in the locker room in 2017 – you felt it. You felt yeah. how heavy it was in there. You felt that there was something off. Uh, guys come into the podium when they're prepped and told what not to say and what to say. Yeah. You don't really get a sense, and that's where we got to put our reporter hats, You know, whether it's DMing guys, calling guys. But even then, you still can't get a full appreciation of what that locker room feels and, like. And it's also the other layer of, of covering a situation like this. I, I, I've talked to, you know, this sounds this sounds like the most obnoxious thing ever. I've talked to several like black friends of mine about the situation, and like how do you feel? What do you think about it? And one of the things that I've heard the most is, I'll tell you what I don't care about is what white people think about this. Yeah, no, and I that's... said that that's fair. But then I said, well, that that's a good point, and I would love to get the opinions of some of the black players in the locker room and find out. And the, and one of the other things I heard back was, it's not like it's also not their job. Right. Like, hey, black guy, what is right. what do you think about this thing about a black guy? Like. Yeah. It's not really fair to put them in that situation it, it, It's not, and at the same time, you got to remember, too, guys, that it's also a generational thing. Yeah. Because you talk to some of the old school guys, and, and I have, and, and you've seen the Tim Brown interview that he did. You know, he, he called John Gruden his dad, basically, and, and yeah. didn't believe this, and, and he did hear him use the phrase rubber lips, and, and he buys the, the explanation. Charles Woodson was a little bit more of, no, you know, I don't believe it, but if there's more, then they got to take action. And, you know, Lincoln Kennedy's kind of the same way. It's like he never gave me that impression, but, yeah, those emails were were strange. So the older school people, I, you know, it, it's more they were more surprised, but they know him on a personal level. A lot of the younger guys in that locker room, they don't know him. They've, they're not invested in him. Does that, does that mean what was written in the emails is less offensive? Absolutely not. But, again, it's how you take something and – and how it makes you feel a certain way, to quote Josh Jacobs. But let's also, as Adam and I had brought up earlier, is that this whole rubber lips excuse and that keeps going, that everyone's saying to defend him or that he's saying right. this, then why wasn't that the email? That's not <laughs> right. what was used in the email. Yeah, like, oh, so, he's got some real rubber lips. Like, no, he. that's not what he said. Yeah, and that's it, not what he said, and I'm not here to defend him. I'm here to try to make sense of it. And in talking with John on Friday afternoon um, – I wasn't the first one he called, but <laughs> I did talk to him one-on-one, -on -one. and uh, the way he tried to explain it, again, it's a it's a leap. Sure. It's a huge leap, but if you remove yourself from the situation, it's a logical leap, especially when you know how seniorly focused John Gruden is, and when he gets fixated on one thing, he goes all the way. I mean, 
to tell, you know, the way he, he conducts himself in press conferences, you're a great reporter, you're the best one. <laughs> he doesn't really mean that, but it's it's a soundbite. It's, it's a quip. And I can see him doing that. Again, not defending it, not excusing it. It's terrible. It's it's offensive. But it, it was uh, it's interesting how people bend themselves into pretzels and do all these mental gymnastics to excuse it. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying I can see how we could possibly get there. So last thing, because we have a... Uh we have some UNLV basketball to talk about in, in a minute, and I guess I have to deal with a Bills fan. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I thought yesterday they did look like a team that was distracted. Yep. Uh, not that it's the sole reason they lost the game, but they looked like a team that wasn't necessarily all in prepared to play. I feel like this week, if it happens again, it's over. You think? Like, it, it, that's it. It can't happen twice in a row. Well, like I said, it, and it wouldn't even be twice in a row, Adam. It would be three times in a row yeah. based on what happened that's a good in, team. in the Chargers. That's a good team against the Chargers, though. Yeah. This is a very mediocre well, here's, team. Here's, here's the, the X factor here is that this is basically going to be the third week in a row they're facing the same defense. This yeah. is all Vic Fangio's defense with the Chargers, so with the Bears, be for it. <laughs> with the Broncos. They should be, yeah. That's, that's the flip side of it. Um, yeah, If and again, I said this before this game even happened. I thought they'd beat the Bears. Then I thought they'd beat the Broncos. Uh, but I also said if they lose to the Bears, they're going to lose to the Broncos. There's no split in these two games, and I'm still going to kind of stand by that. I was taken I, I was taken today, though, by how positive John seemed in his presser. Like, he seemed like yesterday the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Today he seemed kind of freed. Um, and now with Adam Schefter's latest report that the league is waiting on the team to do something, um, I'm not so sure. There you go. Well, we'll uh, have a lot of time to analyze that game coming up throughout the week. Uh, people, if they want to look back on what happened in 2017 and the history of the Raiders <laughs> program, Paul, how can they do that? Uh, if these walls could talk with Lincoln Kennedy and yours truly, uh, triumphbooks.com, it's out there. We talk, we get into that a little bit. It's all in the uh, book. Yeah, it's all in the yeah, book. For sure. It's in the book. And uh, if you run into us, uh, I'm sure Lincoln will sign it. There you go. <laughs> Paul. Paul's also a big UNLV basketball fan, so he'd be delighted to know. Carlin Hartman, UNLV assistant, will talk about the team and – <sighs> He's a Bills fan, so I guess we'll get to hear about that next. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. I know we didn't have a lot of plays. We didn't have really a lot of third downs, really a lot of first downs. Um, but we had a lot of explosive plays. Guys got open, uh, made some unbelievable plays. When you have a defense that can go out there and, and um, you know, play against a, a really good offense, maybe one of the best offenses in the league, and do that, you know, it's uh, very reassuring. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Oh, that voice is like nails on a chalkboard. Can't believe you would play that. Coming back out of break, Cofield and Company down here, Twin Peaks and Henderson, your spot for Monday Night Football Ravens and Colts coming up in just a little bit. Uh, stay tuned right here if you want to listen to play-by-play or just get down here and watch the game with us, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, down here at Twin Peaks. Uh, want to talk some UNLV basketball? I guess we can allow him to talk a little bit about last night's game, even though I don't know why anybody would want to. Carlin Hartman joins us. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I don't know why we wouldn't want to talk about last night's game. It was epic. It was awesome. Uh, I mean, it was delayed and sloppy, and uh, you had a quote-unquote tremendous quarterback performance by a quarterback completing 50% of his passes. Way to go. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. It was only sloppy because the officiating made it sloppy. <laughs> uh, it was really beautiful football, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it was. I thought Josh played great. You know, um, there were a couple times where even Diggs and, 
and Davis and Sanders, they got held as well. But for some reason or another, the officials decided to, you know, to not to look the other way. So we, we weathered the storm uh, literally and figuratively because of the weather there and also the officiating. So uh, go Bills. Uh, if your beloved Bills, who used to be my beloved Bills, and now I despise them more than anything, uh, if they don't win the number one seed this year, that is an embarrassment of a season. They have the easiest schedule by far in the NFL. Okay, well, Adam, I need, to, I need to understand, like, what is the backstory? Why do you despise them now? It's a whole thing. I, we've, we've talked about it and gone over it many, many times. I can, I can tell you off the air we, when we got to a – to a game one day. Nobody else wants to hear it. Oh, yeah, I, uh, but it has something to do with Tyrod Taylor. Right? No, it has something to do with the way the fans treated him. Oh. Okay. I don't want that fan base to be happy. Uh, by the way, the fan base, my people. Everyone I know is from Hamburg and Orchard Park and the whole area. Yeah. That's everyone yeah. I know and everyone in my family. But I had to sit in the stadium and hear N-words thrown around at him when the fans are screaming at him. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want these people to be happy about anything. I'm done. Uh, well, okay. Now, that's fair enough, especially talking to – you know, yes, a, a exactly. black man about, you know, uh, growing up in Western New York. There were exactly. some tough times even for me as well. So I get it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I understand. Uh, but I am a diehard Bills fan. Yet I get still, you. And, but and I guess I don't I, like talking about free. it that much. Yeah, I don't like ruining people's, you know, feelings or anything. I just, it was disgusting to me that nobody did anything about it. And sure. I was like, I, I don't want to support this anymore. I got you. I got yeah. you. Well, I, you know what? Respect to you. I got you. Well, and everybody says, hey, there's races in every single fan base, which is probably true. So I'm yeah. just covering the league, and I'm not cheering for anybody anymore. That's how I roll now. Uh, yeah, you know, that's all good. All yeah, good. it should be a fun season for the Bills. should be a fun season for UNLV. I'm excited. I'm fired up. And I feel like just talking to people, there's like a real enthusiasm around this program. Can you feel that from the inside? I can. Uh, you know, I also was, haven't, haven't been here, uh, you know, but, you know, up until April so. I think a lot of excitement stems from Kevin, uh, you know, being named head coach, uh, another Kruger in the, in the top seat here at UNLV. Uh, essentially, the last time uh, the program has really risen to the occasion and, and been uh, of the elite status. I can feel it, um, and I also think that, you know, the people that have come to, to see practice um, will really like the group that we have, really like uh, the length, the athleticism, you know, how, uh, how how hard the guys play and how tough they are. You know, obviously the old adage, you know, is always thrown around that iron sharpens iron, and, you know, we got a lot of depth in our group, and um, every single day in practice, you know, guys are vying for for positioning, starting positions, roles, and it's, it's, it's a really fun uh, atmosphere every single day. So I can feel it, and uh, I think uh, our guys can feel it, and really uh, the first time I talked to you guys, uh, back when I got the job initially was that at the end of the day, this is a rebel town. This is a rebel basketball town. And um, going on to five, five months now, I can totally sense it and feel it and really excited about uh, you know, getting this thing started. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always think it's a tricky question, but what should expectations be? What should the fans expect from this team? I mean, it is, you know, new staff. You're, you're taking over and trying to move forward, but holdovers as well, and a lot of new fl- right. faces, a lot of new players. Like, what should the yeah. expectations be? I think the biggest expectation should be, you know, just how hard we're going to play every single night, night in and night out. Um, you know, and if we take care of the basket, if we do, you know, three things that we always talk about, you know, defend, rebound, you know, and uh, keep the turnovers low, you know, get a shot on goal every single time, you know, we're going to give ourselves a chance because we are going to have, you know, really good length, athleticism, and skilled players. 
to be able to do a lot of different things. So, um, again, I haven't been here, and I don't know what it, what it was like, what it has been like, you know, uh, the previous few years or so. But uh, I'm excited to see what we can, what we're going to uh, put out there, you know, every single night in and night out, and and a different combinations of lineups that we're going to place out there too. Uh, you know, we can play small, we can play big. Uh, you know, uh, Royce Ham, James Hampshire, Victor Iroquois, you know, those are a lot of the front, the front court guys that, you know, will get rotated in there. But, you know, there's no reason why Donovan Williams and, and Bryce Hamilton, uh, they can't play, you know, in that, in that four spot. And, and then we can put out lineups where, you know, McCabe and, and Gilbert, um, Webster, Baker, you know, as a shooting guard. So, you're just talking about a lot of different guys and a lot of different combinations that you know we can throw out there, and we're really excited about it. So I think our fans will really, really um, fall in love with this team as we move forward in the season. Carlin, Har- Carlin Hartman, you can follow him up on Twitter at Carlin Hartman and to follow uh, about UNLV basketball and uh, his Buffalo Bills takes as well. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I'm, you know. I wonder when you talk about, because I do love the versatility that this roster has, and you just kind of yep. talked about it. You can play a lot of different ways um, in kind of response to what other teams do sometimes. But if you guys have your way, if, if you're imposing your will, how how does this team look? What does this team look like? Well, I think it's obviously a team that, you know, we're going to hang our heads defensively on what we're going to do, whether it be switching four, switching five, three, depending on what the opponent's going to, you know, um, uh, go into their you know, game plan with, and so we're going to try to counter that with, you know, different defensive lineups that we're going to put out there. But, you know, like anything else, we want to try to create offense, you know, off of our defense, you know, try to get as many clean defensive rebounds as possible so that we can push it, you know, throw it ahead and make basketball plays. Um, we would love to, you know, obviously, you know, score a, a lot of points and, you know, and, and really cut down on, you know, opponents' uh, defensive field goal percentage. Um, you know, but we got to, you know, get stops. And in order to get stops and uh, in order to be able to run, again, we got to get clean rebounds and we got to, you know, utilize our speed and athleticism. So um, what, what we're going to end up doing is, you know, hopefully, you know, we can hopefully we can win a game to eight, you know, but then again, hopefully, you know, we can win a game in the 60s or 50s. You know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to win every possession on the offensive and the defensive end of the floor. So we can string together, you know, enough, Defensive stops and enough uh, uh, opportunities to score in basketball. However, it takes to win. We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna put forth a, a group that's gonna get out there and fight for us every single night. Carlin, you had mentioned the enthusiasm with the program, and, and it started with with the hiring of Kevin. And, and you mentioned even you, you know, you you had come here. How much has you know? Because previous coaching staffs, they you know about it because you read about it or you're familiar with college basketball. But Kevin felt. The rich history. He, he has a pedigree from his father who taught yeah. him when he came here. How much has yeah. he really made an emphasis in teaching not just the players, but you got the staff in sort of reminding them in infusing? And you're talking to a couple of guys who have been here for most of our lives, and we understand yep. the rich history of UNLV running rebel basketball. I've seen them play uh, since the 70s at the Rotunda at the convention center. How how much have you seen him really infuse that whole running rebel background to this program? So you know it's, it's almost kind of I don't want to say throwing our face in a negative way, but I mean, he he talks about it. Uh, the, the people that have come through, uh, you know, to watch practice, uh, you know, Deion Thomas, you know, uh, former great point guard back, uh, I think uh, Jerry Tarkanian's last last recruit. 
um, you know, what we're doing on Thursday night. And I wanted to talk to you guys, you know, uh, towards the end about the, the fundraiser we're, we're going to do for Robert, Robert Smith, which is an open practice this Thursday um, at, at Cox Pavilion at 6 p.m. Uh, we're going to donate to Robert and, and the things and, and, and um, you know, try to help him, um, you know, with his uh, uh, recovery uh, from a massive stroke that he had. Um, you know, so Kevin is always talking about the history of the program. He, he never says that there's a – he always says that there's, there's no former Rebels. There's only former players. Uh, but once a Rebel, always a Rebel. And our guys feel that every single, every single day, from the people that come through open practice to the former players uh, to the people that come and speak to us. And, you know, for me, I think I told, told you guys this back in April when we first spoke, uh, he constantly, you know, talked about it when we were at Oklahoma. Him and his dad talked about their experience here at UNLV and how much they loved it and how much they enjoyed it. And obviously now with Kevin taking over, uh, Coach uh, Kruger, Coach Lon moving back to the Vegas area, uh, we're, um, you know, it, it, it's like a reunion and it's going to be something that, you know, as we move forward with the program and how we get this thing back going, it's not a rebuild. I mean, you know, we know that, you know, this town is, is starving for a winner and we're going to put forth the best effort we can. But our guys feel it uh, just like our staff feels it. And we know that this is very important to our community. And um, we, we look forward to, you know, you know, filling the seats and filling the Thomas and Mack and, and then trying to get as many wins as possible you know, in, in a tough league and a tough schedule. Awesome stuff, Carlin. Re- real quick, one more time. We're up against it. But uh, Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night again, Cox Pavilion. Uh, fundraiser, open practice for uh, the great Robert Smith. Uh, proceeds are going to go to uh, his uh, recovering from a, a, a stroke that he had. Um, and everything, uh, again, goes to him. Awesome, uh, if anybody needs any information, just go to uh, www.unlvrebels.com or just look on our social media page as well. There you go. Social media, find it up there. We thank you, sir, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Colts and Ravens next.